Russian President Vladimir Putin called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance, quote, objective and irreversible during the recent BRICS summit in South Africa, as Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa formally agreed to use local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar. It's the first shoe to drop. As demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar also weakens. That's why Birch Gold Group is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. Text MONICA to 989-898 for your free info kit on gold. Thousands of happy customers, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and countless five-star reviews, you can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. As the U.S. dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency, and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Just text MONICA to 989-898 to claim your free info kit from Birch Gold Group right now. Hey guys, I'm Monica Crowley, and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me here on this Friday, TGIF, another week of survival, barely, in Biden's America. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. Don't forget to check me out on social media. On Instagram, I am at Monica Crowley underscore. A lot of fun pictures and things up on that. And on Twitter and True Social at Monica Crowley. Also on email, I am at Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. I'm getting a ton of your emails, so thank you so much. I might read yours on the air, but I can't unless you send me one. Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. All right, uh, next week, I am in the process right now of of landing, confirming some really huge guests for next week. I don't want to say anything right now because they're not 100% locked down as I record this here today with you. So all I can say is uh, I got some big guests lined up for next week. So you're not going to want to miss a second of this show next week. Actually, you should never be missing a second of this show because this show is awesome. This show is helping to rescue America, and we are all on board to do that. So I, I, I can't really tease any specifics yet because I'm still in the process of doing next week's schedule, uh, but I can promise you it, it's going to be a big week of shows. So you're going to want to tune in for that. Okay, today I want to deal with two evil empires, China under the CCP and Apple also under the CCP. They're both related. You know, we're going to talk about this today. I have said from the beginning on the show, everything is of a piece. And a number of you have emailed me, you know, Monica, since you said that, in my mind now, I'm putting things together, things that are happening here in the United States, things that are happening in China, things that are happening in Western Europe, things that are happening in Asia. I'm telling you, 
it's all of a piece because what we are experiencing now, of course, in this country is a Marxist revolution. Talk about this all the time here on this show, but this is a globalist Marxist revolution and it has fascist tactics. So while we have those operatives here in the United States who are doing uh, working around the clock to implode the system from within, because you know what? If the globalist Marxists take down the United States, everything else falls in place. We are the biggest of them all. We are the big kahuna. Okay, So if they take us down, they take down everything. And they know it. And they've got their handmaidens here, willing handmaidens, leaders in the movement, Biden and his entire regime, Obama, etc., all on deck doing that work here. But it's going on around the world. And then on top of the uh, Americans who are hard at work to overthrow this country here, you also have, you've got people in individual countries doing it as well, but you've got the transnationalists those transnational organizations like the World Economic Forum, like the World Health Organization. These are the, and there are so many others, but those are really the big kids on the block, like the United States is the big kid on the block. Those big transnational organizations are engaged in a globalist Great Reset. So you have the people doing this kind of work here, And then you've got the transnational organizations and leaders like Klaus Schwab and Yuval Hariri, his right-hand guy, and their entire dark globalist agenda of transhumanism and all this other stuff, that's going on even above us, but it's all of a piece. It's all working hand in glove. Today on this show, Um, we're going to break some of this apart. It's so huge. You can't do it all in one show. So we're going to break it, break it apart. And a critical element of this is what's happening here, which is also happening globally, which is big governments working hand in glove with big tech. And so today I want to focus on that. And it's big tech's dangerous outsized power, which they routinely abuse, which Elon Musk is beginning to expose. But today, and this is going to be coming up very shortly, okay, after my Monica memo, we're going to talk to the Missouri Attorney General and Senator-elect Eric Schmidt, who actually has the stones to take on big tech. He's also taking on the Biden administration in another huge lawsuit uh, over his student debt forgiveness scheme. So we're going to talk to him about both of those, but with him, I really do want to focus on the big tech lawsuit because this is hugely important. And Eric Schmidt is going to be here to talk to us and and walk us through what is going on. Plus your emails all straight ahead. But first the Monica memo, as I mentioned there, you have this nefarious crux between big tech and big governments, including ours. For decades now, we have seen the rise of the machines. The rise of the machines. You go back and look at some of these movies from the 1980s. Uh, Working Girl, I don't know if they had it, but uh, Wall Street. Remember Wall Street? I think that was like the late 1980s, maybe 1987, 88, when Wall Street was made. And there was, was it the Charlie Sheen character? One of the characters had a huge gigantic cell phone. It was a mobile phone, but it was like the size of his head. 
and he put it up. Go watch the movie again because it's it's wild to see. But for decades now, we have had the rise of the machines, and we've you know we've had computers that have been dedicated to government for a long time since what the 1950s, certainly the 1960s, and then it began to make its way into personal use, personal computing, and then the cell phones, of course, that we're all addicted to. We all have now the computing power in our hand, the same computing power that basically sent men to the moon in the 1960s. So we're carrying that around in our bags and can't get enough of them, right? So we have now been experiencing the rise of the machines, and a lot of people have been warning about this for a long time, that, hey, the machines might take over someday. Everybody kind of laughed and relegated it to science fiction and everything, but now... We are sort of at that moment because, of course, we've got artificial intelligence, we've got AI, um, and the rise of that, which is a a clear and present danger to humanity and the nature of humanity. So that's one thing. And then you've got the companies that are building these things out that are primarily based in Silicon Valley, but they're really global. They're global companies. Apple is the world's biggest company and worth more money than like most nations. Um, And so you've got these companies that are pushing all of this, selling their products, getting us all addicted to it. You've got companies like Apple that sit astride the entire world. And then you've got companies like Twitter, uh, now under the stewardship of Elon Musk, who seems to be doing great things with it. Musk is not perfect. He's got, you know, Tesla is, a lot of it's based in China, cheap labor, etc., um, so he is not perfect, but what he's doing with uh, Twitter has been extraordinary. But then you got companies like Facebook that was so dominant for a while, it's starting to lose its grip a bit, um, which is why Zuckerberg wanted to move it into the metaverse, whatever the hell that is. Um, so trying to rebrand it and get it reinvent it in a different direction or something. But anyway, there are all of these companies that are massive and dominant And so now when we talk about the rise of the machines, this is what we mean, that they have a lock on entire economies, or at least big chunks of those economies, and they're moving in all kinds of directions to control you in order to change humanity in the end. So you've got that, and then you've got these big transnational forces, and they're all working together. It's all of a piece. Here I want to focus on Apple in particular, because they have really, you know, somebody said the other day on social media that Apple's, and I don't know if this is true, but the Apple, the original Apple computer for personal use was uh, pegged at $666 for the consumer, 666, and that the Apple in the logo is supposed to be the Apple from the Garden of Eden. I don't know if that's true, but would be interesting, right? Rise of the machines, diluting humanity, which is God's creation. Interesting. So let's turn our attention to Apple here for a second. And um, full disclosure, I've got an iPad and an iPhone, and they have been dominant because they've created the best products. By the way, by the way, there is not a day that goes by that I do not miss my BlackBerry. I'm just going to throw it out there. Y'all can laugh at me. I don't care. I was a BlackBerry girl forever. 
In fact, do you know when I got my first iPhone? I got my first iPhone, hold on, let me think, spring of 2020. (laughs) How do you like that? I was with the BlackBerry throughout until BlackBerry, I I couldn't, I just couldn't anymore. They made a a final phone. I forget which one it was. It was the last one that they made. I was hanging on to it, but it was built like crap and I was having problems with it. And so I finally caved and got the iPhone, but the spring of 2020, just as we had started to come out of the pandemic, I was like, oh man, God. And then I think on, on my Instagram, I posted a little funeral picture of my Blackberry, which died. And I put a rose over it and did a little ceremony for my Blackberry. But I tell you, not a day goes by that I do not miss my Blackberry. Okay. We're running a little long on time because I did a long monologue here on the rise of the machines. So here's what we're going to do. We are going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with Missouri's attorney general and senator-elect. Come January, he will be in the United States Senate representing Missouri, Eric Schmidt. He and Jeff Landry the Louisiana attorney general, have taken upon themselves to challenge big tech's dominance, in particular with the suppression of speech and the collusion with the Biden regime, the Biden campaign, big government, etc. We're going to talk to him because this is critical. The Biden administration has really uh, put the screws to these companies, not that they needed much persuading, to really silence the rest of us. So we're going to talk to him about that lawsuit and the lawsuit he's got going on the student debt forgiveness scheme. We're going to talk to him about that. And then on the other side of that interview, I really want to get into Apple and China because again, all of the communists, all of the transnationalists are working together, not just to change global governance one world government, new world order under their jackboot, but also to change the very nature of humanity. And they have the power and the money to do it. So we'll talk to Eric Schmidt. Very important conversation coming straight up. On the other side of that, you're going to want to stay tuned because you're going to want to hear what I have to say about that on the other side and your emails. So sit tight. Okay, everybody, listen up. We all want to be healthier, right? Well, to get there, we have to have a healthier diet, which is not always easy to do. I can attest to that. You know, that shredded lettuce in a double-double and the fruit filling in a donut are amazing, but they do not count toward the recommended five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Sorry to be the one to break it to you, but they don't. I don't always eat healthy either, but I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't, and you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens. Unlike other supplements, each fruit and each vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs like the heart, lungs, kidneys, and the immune system. Flu season is here, and I trust Field of Greens to help me stay healthy. Field of Greens works fast and tastes so good. It's really delicious, guys, and you'll feel better with more energy 
and you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier too. I certainly noticed that in me since I started taking Field of Greens. If you don't always eat right and exercise, join me and take Field of Greens. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's promo code MONICA at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. Well, over the past few years, we have heard a lot about fake collusion that was designed to destroy President Trump and distract you from the actual collusion taking place between big government and big tech to suppress your free speech and take away your fundamental right to express yourself in the new digital public square. Well, two state attorneys general decided to do something about this despotic abuse of power, and they filed a major lawsuit. One of those two attorneys general, Missouri's Eric Schmidt, was also just elected to the United States Senate, and I could not be happier that he is going to be in there as a strong America first voice, and he joins me right now. A.G. Schmidt, welcome. Great to be with you, Monica. Oh, it's so great to have you here. And, you know, I've been following what you've been doing out of the state of Missouri now for a while. And I'm a huge fan and and a great supporter of everything you're doing. And I am thrilled that you are going to now take these fights into the United States Senate. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I wish we weren't as busy as we've been in the AG's office taking on this radical agenda that we've seen the last two years um, from Joe Biden. And I've been a fan of yours from afar for a long time. So it's a, it's a, it's a pleasure to be on your show. Well, I am thrilled to have you here. And this is a mutual admiration society, Eric. So <laughs> thank you so much. Um, let's start with, well, the fact that Missouri, where you are from and the state you represent is the show me state. And you are now forcing big tech and big government the Biden administration to show all of us the depth of the collusion and the depth of the censorship. So let's start at the beginning. Why did you decide, along with Louisiana's AG Jeff Landry, to file this lawsuit? Well, I think it's important to take a step back when we talk about free speech, what that really means. You know, our founders did something that was unique in human history. It was exceptional, right? We believe in this idea of American exceptionalism because we're different. We, they, made a, they proclaimed to the world in 1776 that everybody else had it wrong. They had it backwards, that our rights don't come from a king or a queen. Uh, they come from God. And government is not supposed to infringe upon those God-given rights, but to protect those rights. And that's what government is, is a shared project to protect those fundamental God-given rights. First among those, of course, listed in the Bill of Rights to be protected is your ability to express yourself, petition your government, you know, this kind of fundamental human expression. And I've always viewed the First Amendment as, um, you know, sort of this pressure release valve. Most disputes across the world get resolved through violence. But here in America, we believe that you can have, uh, you know, the town square where people can say their peace. You don't shut that down. Uh, You combat speech you don't like. With more speech, it's really the beating heart of the Constitution. And so in May, we filed this lawsuit against uh, the Biden administration for essentially outsourcing, Monica, what they can't do themselves um, as the government legally, outsourcing it to their partners with big tech and colluding with them and using them as an extension of, you know, what would be illegal. You know, and we've already it was filed in May. 
We've gotten discovery since then, and this is no longer an allegation. I mean, this is proven to be true by the documents we've received. So the first round of what we got were, um, you know, information about weekly censorship meetings, the high-ranking Facebook officials text messaging the Surgeon General of the United States saying, hey, we took down that so-called misinformation. What else do you want us to do? And so, you know, the lawsuit is far-reaching in that it deals with, you know, the uh, Hunter Biden laptop story. It deals with... Mostly with COVID, because I think you saw that front and center, that it was never about the science. It was about power and control. And Jen Psaki, Psaki, Monica, was up there on the, you know, at the podium saying, we are flagging this stuff for Facebook. You had the Disinformation Governance Board, this Orwellian entity where Mary Poppins was in charge of silencing conservatives. You know, this is crazy, um, but it was actually happening. And so we've gotten that information. That information has led to... Uh, more discovery. And then, of course, you know, with our recent deposition of Anthony Fauci, and we've got more depositions on the way. Jen Psaki is scheduled to be deposed in a couple of weeks. And the point of all of this is, number one, hold people accountable to shed light on the truth that the mainstream media never wants. I mean, you notice this story has been completely buried um, with the traditional media players because it doesn't fit the narrative, right? They They like free speech when it protects freedom of the press, which it should, but they don't like it so much when somebody has a dissenting view of what they believe the truth to be. And that's antithetical to what the First Amendment's all about and why this lawsuit's so important. There's so much that I want to break apart with you that you just mentioned here. First of all, Jen Psaki has moved heaven and earth to try to avoid being deposed by you in this lawsuit. Um, She's gone judge shopping, et cetera, and, and the other judge kicked it back to the original judge that is ordering her to do this deposition. So that's number one. Let me just take a step back and ask you, AG, about why it's you and Jeff Landry, who's out of Louisiana, another extraordinary state attorney general. But why are there only two of you leading this lawsuit? Well, I can tell you. So a lot of these lawsuits, I'll give you an example. When we had the uh, uh, the vaccine mandates, Missouri was in the lead. We are in the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals. There are a number of other circuits, and that was a real rush to make sure we stopped that to get a case to the Supreme Court. Missouri led that effort. The OSHA vaccine mandate was stopped because it's ridiculous to believe that an agency created to make sure forklifts beep when they back up was somehow in charge of forcing, you know, a medical procedure on 80 million people. So you had their sort of this competition in the circuits to get a, a, a case to the United States Supreme Court. You know, this was something that here in Missouri, Uh, We try to be innovative and we try to recognize these issues that are really important, not just on behalf of Missourians, but for the American people. And something that's, you know, I took an oath to uphold the Constitution of the United States, as well as an oath to uphold the Constitution of the state of Missouri. So this was us sort of coming up with this. We partnered with Louisiana. We filed it in Louisiana. I can tell you there are a bunch of other AG offices out there that are very supportive. But this case now is sort of like on the track moving forward. So some of these, there's a there's a litigation strategy that comes into play. I don't think this, that's, that's uh, uh, indicative of anything that the other AGs aren't supportive of. It's just this was our baby. We brought it forward and we're getting traction. And so we want to continue that, that momentum. Well, thank you so much for leading the charge on this. Courage begets courage, AG, right? So you and Jeff Landry out there, I think this lawsuit is so 
critically important. You've won so many legal battles and allowing this to go forward, which is fantastic. And I think it's going to do a lot of the political blocking for maybe other state AGs next year to file their own lawsuits in different areas. That's right. Um, and I'll mention, I'll mention just to mention that too, the reason why this lawsuit's you know kind of a landmark lawsuit is there have been lawsuits against big tech before. What typically happens though, they end up in the Northern District of California, never to be seen again, right? This was different. We actually sued the Biden administration. And so I think from a strategy perspective is one of the reasons why this case has not been shut down in a uh, maybe unfavorable venue in the Northern District of California. We've actually been able to have a, a judge that believes in the rule of law that's allowing, again, uh, discovery to move forward. So when we talk about discovery, I'd love to, to hear what you have found so far. Um, you know, I was speaking to someone who was very close to the head of corporate communications at Facebook or Meta. And they told me that when Mark Zuckerberg went on Joe Rogan recently and blurted out that the FBI paid them a visit uh, when the Hunter Biden laptop story was beginning to circulate or, or it was like it was about to go, something like that, the FBI went to Meta and the Zuckerberg team and said, look, this is Russian disinformation. We can't verify this. Please, you know, step in and block the dissemination of the Hunter Biden laptop story. I was told that he was not supposed to say that, that that was just sort of he was in conversation with Joe Rogan and it, it just sort of came out. And then, of course, all hell broke loose. Right. Are you finding that in your uh, discovery process that the weaponization of our own government in doing this, the FBI, the DOJ, the Biden campaign, the Biden White House. What have you found in terms of the extent of all of those forces working hand in glove with big tech to suppress these kinds of stories? Yeah, I mean, I actually would, would offer an alternate theory. In our lawsuit, we had alleged that, in a, that the FBI had been involved with um, suppressing speech potentially um, as related to the election and specifically the Hunter Biden laptop story. Interestingly, after the lawsuit was filed, that is when Mark Zuckerberg came out with that statement. So it could have been that theory. It could have been that he was trying to sort of flow to trouble and get it out there. Doesn't matter to us. We're pursuing and actually took the deposition of an FBI agent this week about that very issue who was on a on a podcast sort of bragging about his role of working with and coordinating with social media platforms about misinformation, disinformation. So we are learning more about that aspect too. I mean, there's been a lot of focus on the um, on the corona. There's a lot there and hope we get a chance to unpack that. But there's no doubt, we've seen unfortunately through the Department of Justice recently, the weaponization of the FBI, whether it's this, you know, pre-dawn raid of a political rival's residence. Uh, but more specifically, as you heard on, um, as I heard on the campaign trail, where, you know, we took on, not only did we win that lawsuit on the vaccine mandate, we sued 47 school districts here in Missouri who were forcing the masking of five-year-olds. A lot of the volunteers that came forward for us were moms who were never politically active before. We're just glad somebody was sticking up for them. But you had the weaponization of the FBI at the urging of the Department of Justice, working with the school boards association to go after parents for showing up to school board meetings under the Patriot Act. I mean, this stuff is crazy. Uh, you're right about that, suing that angle as well. And I think, again, one of the real values of this lawsuit is for the first time, 
looking under the hood and getting this information out for the public. Yeah, and you can really see how big tech is trying to move heaven and earth to try to stop you and stop this lawsuit, and they're throwing the kitchen sink at you. It really tells you how afraid they are about the real truth coming out. We're seeing it now starting at least on the Twitter side with Elon Musk. He's going to expose a lot of the internal documentation prior to the 2020 election. He said just this week that Twitter was interfering in our election. So they're really panicked with regard to Twitter, but I think they're also really panicked about the discovery and the things that you are finding in this lawsuit. Yep, And uh, and it's, it's very clear now that there were, there, for example, there was a special portal for the government to communicate with tech to expedite the deplatforming and censoring of views they didn't like. And this, of course, was, you know, happening, you know, during COVID, whether it was the lab leak theory, which, you know, is certainly the most plausible theory. Um, and uh, whether it was masking, um, whether, you know, if people had a different view on uh, vaccine mandates or not, I mean, all of this stuff, that was just simply being labeled as disinformation or misinformation or somebody being a conspiracy theorist. All of that was meant to silence, right? And uh, if you've got the government, the heavy hand of government working, you know, sort of hand in glove with these big tech giants, some of the most powerful companies in the world, that ought to scare the bejesus out of every American. And I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, what position you hold on any particular issue. Um, that is that's Soviet. Those are Soviet style tactics to control the population. And we ought to push back against that with everything we've got. Yes. And you are leading the charge with this lawsuit, A.G. Can you tell us you mentioned that you recently deposed Dr. Anthony? I am the science Fauci. Can you um, tell us a little bit about what he said or can you reveal anything about that? Yeah, it's really uh, fascinating for a guy that it just always all these Sunday shows who's willing to answer any question and claims to have all the any question that's asked. There were a lot of I don't recalls in his deposition that lasted yeah. seven hours, but we were able to extract, I think, some meaningful information but in sort of different buckets. One, uh, the funding of the Wuhan lab. I mean, it's clear that NIH funded research that was happening at the Wuhan lab. And I also think that's an explanation of why they were to dismiss theory. They were petrified that that would come back uh, because there's, that is a very controversial, I mean, gain of function research, which essentially um, in its broadest terms is to create something that's that's this sort of super virus in order to be able to solve it if it ever appears, you know, in, in the population. But most people believe, why would you create that in the first place? Because you're asking for something like this. He admits that the Wuhan proper security protocols, but yet they're funding research that's happening there, running away from as fast as they and so as soon as February 1st, you know, they're having conference calls. He's he's uh, um, privy to uh, several drafts of, a, you know, a so-called scholarly paper that goes from being to the idea to completely dismissing it in really a matter of weeks. Um, and then it would utter it was labeled, a, you know, a conspiracy theorist and someone who should be cast out. And so that was very clear. We spent a lot of time on that in the deposition. And by the way, that that, that transcript uh, will be available very soon. Um, that will we're going to you know um, make that available way uh, or another. If you talk about the the uh, the reaction or the the way that we were going to deal with COVID nineteen, he sent his chief deputy, Dr. Lane, over to China early on in February to see what was happening. He came back praising 
um, these lockdowns and these extreme measures. And Dr. Fauci was completely on board with that and would have done a lot more. He could have got away with even with what they were able to do, you had these lockdowns and, and uh, people's lives and livelihoods destroyed um, from a guy who, by the way, an interesting tidbit, um, during the deposition, the court reporter sneezed, and this is November of 2022, right? The court reporter sneezed. He wanted her to wear a mask. I mean, it's it was, and this is, the, so this is the mentality and the temperament of the guy who was in charge of all this, um, which is just sort of a, a power corrupts, but power also reveals yeah. So I think you got a real glimpse here of who the guy really is, and again about power and control, but specifically about masks. Is emails him in February asking if she should wear a mask on a plane while she's traveling. A friend of his, he responds essentially, masks are ineffective, and that was his position. In in studies were sort of confirming all that as late as March 31st. On April 4th, just a few days later, he comes out with this, you know very hardline position that masks must be worn. And from that mandates, um, mandates follow COVID tyranny is born and, you know, people's lives were ruined. And you've seen how the effect for kids, um, people had these, you know, weird candles. I mean, this was just completely nuts and he was making it up as he went along. And, and again, all of these things were being exposed, but it was a, um, a fascinating deposition that lasted for seven hours that I think will be very helpful to our case. Did you get at all with him into his conflicts of interest and his patents with Pfizer and Moderna and big, big pharma and all of that, the, the corruption in that end? Or do you mostly focus on the collusion of the suppression of speech? Yeah, I would say that was the main focus, because obviously with the, the nature of the case, that's really what we're getting at. But I would say this, um, he was very sensitive and, um, and com- again, adamant of dismissing this idea of, of herd immunity or natural immunity. And there were, in, in that vein, there were credible scientists, including, you know, one from Stanford, who was, I mean, they went out of their way to try to discredit these people professionally. And, you know, not just deplatform them, but, you know, in, in, you know, potentially conversations with those universities. I mean, they were playing for keeps on this. And again, this was all about crushing dissent. And, you know, Monica, you know, you, you work in this medium. People can have different points of view and you can hash, you can argue vehemently and you try to make your case. And hopefully if you've, if you've been more persuasive than the other person, um, that's what you're trying to do. But this is a different game they were playing. This was we are the science. We know the answers. Anybody has a different opinion. They are to be cast out. And we've got the government working with the most powerful companies in the world to go do that. And that's a scary proposition. Again, what we're trying to expose here. Is it a conspiracy? And I know there's a difference between the legal term conspiracy and a political term of conspiracy. But in your view, knowing what you know, is all of this, this collusion between big tech and and the, and and government, is it in fact a conspiracy? Well, I guess the way I would have it is, and the evidence would show they were working together. Big government was dictating to big tech what they wanted them to do, and they did it. You know, they said, we want this account down. And that account went down. This didn't have anything to do with their terms of service. I mean, in fact, they changed their ter- terms of service several times. But that's not what this was about. This were high ranking government officials telling these social media platforms, this is content we want censored. And they went and did it. And uh, that is collusion. That is, you know, they, they are, the government is not allowed to do that. 
Um, they certainly can't do that on their own accord. And what we argue in this case is you can't outsource that either. And so uh, I think the evidence is very clear and we're continuing to build that. I think we're going to learn more with each one of these depositions we take. We've got enough still remaining. I mean, Jen Psaki is a high profile one that'll be up, you know, in a couple of weeks. But again, these were um, overt acts at the highest levels of government. And we'll see how exactly how high that goes. And that's what this lawsuit's for. Yeah. And completely unconstitutional, because when the government gets involved, it's a direct violation of the First Amendment. So you are going into the United States Senate come January 3. What happens to this lawsuit once you're in the Senate? Does it continue? Will you continue to oversee it? Well, no, that'll be up to my uh, successor, which uh, the governor gets to a point. But I would imagine, I mean, this case is, uh, I think, one of the more significant cases happening anywhere in the country. Um, so I would imagine to move forward. Um, and a lot of those depositions and, you know, arguments are, are going to take place after January 3rd, you know, so far on this thing. I mean, and, and you know, and I mentioned the OSHA vaccine man um, case that we won. We won on the Title 42 lawsuit. That was Missouri leading charge on that. Uh, the remain in Mexico case, that was our case too. So, you know, pick the issue. Um, we've been right in the middle of it um, here in Missouri, and, and that's exactly what we wanted to do. Our job is to protect the rights of individuals. And I, I believe I said on the campaign trail, Monica, that we're ha- we're not having, um, you know, kind of typical debates right now in this country, you know, between what's the tax rate or what, you know, sort of these traditional political debates. Um, we're having fundamental debates about who we are. And the Democrats are two votes away, maybe one vote away after Georgia. We'll see. Uh, hopefully Herschel Walker wins. But that's what's on the line in that in that race. They'd be one or two votes away from ending the filibuster packing the Supreme Court, adding states to the union, federalizing our elections, borders and this kind of collusion, disinformation governance boards. I mean, this is not made up. This, these are their stated positions. And so I think you need, you know, uh, real battle-tested fighters to go to Washington and shake things up. And that's what I intend to do. Oh, absolutely. I'm so excited to watch you in action on Capitol Hill. Before we let you go, AG, you filed yet another big lawsuit, this one challenging the Biden administration's student loan forgiveness scheme. Tell us about that. Yeah. So, I mean, no law, the Constitution and no law enacted by Congress gives one person, the president of the United States, the ability to completely write off or forgive a half a um, billion to a billion dollars worth of student loan debt. It just doesn't exist anywhere in any statute that you can find. Yet the president, uh, I think, did this to try to win over like, um, in an election year. But it's clearly unconstitutional. It's clearly lawful. Um, Missouri filed that lawsuit with a number of other states here. It was in um, um, filed in Missouri. The Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals um, blocked it. And then uh, just this week, the Supreme Court agreed to hear that case. So right now it's blocked. Uh, and we're hoping that the Supreme Court, now that they've taken it, um, will agree that this is just unlawful. And we hope to block this. It's just it's an insult to those who paid off their debts, who never took on uh, student loan debt in the first place, the working men and women of this country. You know, there's no reason in the world why a truck driver should be paying for the, the theater degree of somebody who's a professor at NYU. It's just nuts. And um, so that's what it's about. Again, the Democrat Party at this point is the party of, by, and for the elites. And this is maybe one of the clearest examples of who they are. Yep. 
Exactly right. I was just about to say it. You said it better than I ever could. And I certainly hope that all of these other uh, Republican state AGs pick up where you left off on all of these uh, lawsuits. And I hope that you have given them the courage to file these kinds of lawsuits going forward. Well, we're going to let you go, AG, but on behalf of this entire audience and myself, thank you so much for your courage and your leadership on all of this. It is an existential threat that we are facing the weaponization of our own government against us in conjunction with all of the power coming from Silicon Valley and big tech. It is an existential threat. And we are so grateful to you that you see it and that you're willing to fight back. Thanks, Monica. It's really great to be with you. And hopefully we'll do this again. Oh, thank you so much. Missouri Attorney General and Senator-elect Eric Schmidt, we will watch him in action on Capitol Hill come January. Thank you so much and God bless. Thank you. You bet. Okay, guys, as I said, we're going to have more on Apple and what's really going on transnationally in the world with regard to big tech. That's coming straight up. First up, though, guys, the Christmas season is here. It is time for great gift-giving parties with family and friends and getting compliments everywhere you go and looking years younger, thanks to GenuCell. From now until Christmas, GenuCell's most popular package is 70% off at GenuCell.com. So treat yourself and a loved one to the absolute best skincare in the world. Visit GenuCell.com slash Monica right now and enter my special promo code Monica for an additional 10% off your entire order. Can't beat that. Every single order today is instantly upgraded to free express shipping. GenuCell.com slash Monica. If you want to know how to spell it, it's G-E-N-U-C-E-L, GenuCell.com slash Monica. Again, that's GenuCell.com dot com slash Monica. We'll be right back. Okay, so let's talk about Apple because we've been talking a lot about big tech here and their control over us, of course, here in the United States, controlling our speech and the flow of information, which controls the narrative, which in the end controls behavior. Here, I want to hone in on Apple. So we have environmental, social, and corporate governance, also known as ESG, which, as Elon Musk has tweeted out, is poison. It is toxic. It's allegedly a measure of how good an impact a company has on people, how moral it is. So it's a form, really, of corporate virtue signaling. Apple is the largest holding in Vanguard's ESG ETF. So they've got to be doing a lot of good in the world, right? Again, it's corporate virtue signaling. That's what all of this is. And they're also terrified of the millennial activists in their own companies and outside. They're terrified of doing the right thing for shareholders and their bottom line and their customers because, God forbid, some crazy Gen Z person starts an online campaign to boycott them. They don't want the headlines. They don't want the headache. So they just go along with this ESG nonsense, which is actually in most cases antithetical to the bottom line and their responsibility to their customers and shareholders. But they don't care because in so many cases, the inmates are running the asylum. 
in these companies and institutions, and they're all extorting the people at the top. But also, in many cases, the people at the top are fine with this. Larry Fink at BlackRock, like they're, they're all like driving the bus on this, and they're good. They're good with it. Why? Because they're communists too, for the most part. Or maybe if you don't want to go that far, they are on the left and they really believe in this revolt that's happening. And so they've decided, well, if we can't beat it, let's join it. And let's not just join it, let's lead it so that we're not screwed in the end when uh, the Great Reset actually happens, but we're actually leading it. So when the Great Reset is done, we will be in the vanguard at the top. All right, so let's take a look at what Apple is up to in China, shall we? Because this really illustrates the point. According to courts, those anti-government protests that are just uh, flaring up and still ongoing in Chinese cities, including Beijing and Shanghai, you, you don't know that because the Western media has blocked all of this out. It's still ongoing in college campuses. Beijing is rounding up people, moving them to concentration camps, these quarantine facilities, etc. They are cracking down, but of course we know none of this because all of our media is also deeply in bed with the CCP. But according to courts, the country's most widespread show of public dissent in decades going to have to continue on without the crucial communications tool of airdrop which is an Apple program, because Apple restricted its use in China earlier this month. Interesting. What did Tim Cook and Apple know was coming in China? Did they know that these protests were coming? They probably knew that the big COVID crackdown was coming, and so they probably anticipated that these protests might erupt. So they pulled AirDrop. AirDrop is the file-sharing feature on iPhones, other Apple devices. That's helped protesters in all kinds of authoritarian governments evade censorship and communicate with each other. AirDrop relies on direct connections between phones, forming like a local network of devices that don't need the internet to communicate. So you can see how valuable it is to people struggling under the jackboot of total oppression and censorship. People can opt into receiving airdrops from anybody else with an iPhone nearby. So again, critical to all kinds of revolts around the world. And Tim Cook and Apple, they're like, oh, we're such a progressive company. We believe in democracy and human rights. We believe that people should be able to communicate if they're revolting. Well, in China, not so much. All of this policy for Apple in China changed on November 9th. Interesting. A day after our election, also interesting, when Apple released a new version of its mobile operating system to customers worldwide, rather than listing new features as it often does, the company simply said, quote, this update includes bug fixes and security updates and is recommended for all users. Hidden in the update was change that only applies to iPhones sold in mainland China. AirDrop can only be set to receive messages from everyone for 10 minutes before switching off. There's no longer a way to keep the everyone setting on permanently on Chinese iPhones. The change doesn't apply anywhere else. Weird, right? Weird. And while Apple is uh, out there helping out the CCP, 
They're stifling free speech at home. Earlier this week, Elon Musk went public attacking uh, Apple because of Apple's threats to remove Twitter from the App Store if they didn't censor more. By the way, Apple is or was one of Twitter's biggest advertisers, and they've also stopped advertising on it. So Musk went to war with Apple, and then Tim Cook invited Musk to come to Apple headquarters. They had a long talk, and Musk said that they made up and that Cook is not going to remove Twitter from the App Store. However, the Biden administration is now leaning on the EU, who is now threatening to remove Twitter from European apps, and from European phones, unless Musk does what they want him to do, which is go back to stifling speech. So you see, whatever they can't get done here, they go abroad to China, to the EU, and have those transnationalist, globalist henchmen do what they're not able to do here. You see how it all works? You see what I mean when I say it's all of a piece? They're not going to allow Musk to, to move forward. They're literally at war with him. Anyway, back to Apple. This is a company that gets a high ESG mark, and someone should create a fund whose holdings are the companies with the lowest ESG marks, because at least then we would know that we're supporting something worthwhile. So the CCP, and this is a huge point, guys, the CCP is the globalist economic model, oppressive regime, communist political system, command economy, slave labor. It's a globalist wet dream, which is why they all lust after it. Klaus Schwab, Tim Cook, Barack Obama, the New York Times writers, they're all on the record praising the China model. They envy the power and control that Xi Jinping has in China, the absolute iron grip on the people, the ability to disarm and then crush them. They crave that for themselves and to put the entire world under their jackboot. All of the world's dictators have aspired to that. But now with big tech, they're all working hand in glove to achieve it. And it's happening fast. Apple doesn't even hide it anymore because they're not afraid. They're not afraid of governments, of consumers, or anyone else. Maybe they were a little afraid of Elon Musk launching his own competitive phone to the iPhone, which is why Tim Cook brought him in and and basically shut it down. No, we're not removing the Twitter app. I don't know. But Apple, by and large, not really afraid of anybody. The CEO of Apple is not Tim Cook. It's Xi Jinping. The president of the United States isn't Joe Biden, it's Xi Jinping. That's where the real power lies. No wonder they were throwing everything at Donald Trump in order to stop him because he was the only president to take on China. Does it all make sense now? Again, it's all of a piece. All right, when we come back, we've got your emails. But first, guys, listen up. It's time to make your health great again as we get closer to the new year. For anybody looking to ignite their fat-burning metabolism and in the holiday season, who isn't? Boost their energy, transform how they look and feel. They've got to start by taking care of their liver. Your liver is your body's master detoxifier. It performs over 500 key functions in your body every day, including removing all kinds of harmful toxins, chemicals, and yes, booze. 
After decades of wear and tear, our livers start to slow down and become sluggish. This is why so many of us struggle with weight gain and feeling tired all the time. But listen up, because there is a simple, all-natural solution that I recommend. I've been taking it, and it's great. It's called Liver Health Formula. Liver Health Formula contains 12 powerful botanicals clinically proven to recharge and protect your liver at the cellular level. It helps restore your liver's detoxifying abilities, boost your energy levels, and can kick your natural metabolism into high gear. It's backed by the latest science and approved by American doctors, and every bottle is manufactured right here in the USA. And right now, as a listener of our show, you can get Liver Health Formula completely risk-free and receive five free gifts when you order today. First, you'll receive a free 30-day supply of nano-powered omega-3. This powerful blend of omega-3 fatty acids supports a healthy heart and brain with four times better absorption thanks to the special nano-delivery system. You're also getting four free ebooks to support every aspect of your health and longevity, regardless of age. So go to getliverhelp.com slash Monica or call toll-free 800-282-1757 to claim your risk-free supply of liver health formula and all five bonus gifts. That's getliverhelp.com slash Monica or call 800-282-1757. You are covered by their 365-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to risk. But supplies are limited, so head on over to getliverhelp.com slash Monica or call them toll-free 800-282-1757 right now to order liver health formula and claim your five free bonus gifts while you still can. That's getliverhelp.com slash Monica. Call 800-282-1757. We'll be right back. Okay, time now for the Friday email bag. Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com is our email address, so send me a note. Verna writes about what we discussed here today and also on Monday this week, which is the Chinese protests and how the Chinese people are in open revolt despite the dangers of being watched everywhere they go by the CCP. Verna writes, OMG, Monica, why don't they have enough sense to wear face coverings that cover their whole face and leave their cell phones at home? Oh my God, what a big mistake. It will cost them their lives or time in prison. Keep asking for prayer for the precious Chinese people. Well, thank you very much for your very special note, uh, Verna. And yes, as I mentioned earlier this week, China is a total surveillance state, completely Orwellian, cameras everywhere. Their phones are all equipped with government surveillance technology, so every citizen is monitored at all times. There is no escape. So the Chinese citizens who are out there protesting the tyranny that oppresses them, the CCP, They are taking their lives into their hands. They know that they're likely to be caught, interrogated, and imprisoned, maybe worse. Some of them are wearing face masks uh, for COVID, but the CCP technology is so sophisticated that the regime may still be able to identify them. But keep in mind, guys, this is how desperate they are for freedom, how fed up they are with the CCP jackboot upon them. 
that they're willing to face the brutal consequences when the regime cracks down on them as the regime is on this very day. People will put up with a lot until the moment that they don't. That's true in New York State and California, and it's also true in a big, brutal, communist dictatorship like China. This is one of those moments in China. I don't know how it's going to turn out. The CCP is in the process of crushing this and putting it down. But remember what I said on Monday. Every revolt might be put down, but every revolt chips away at the totalitarian structure. Little by little, and it may take years, but the Chinese people are damaging the fortress of the CCP. So never give up. Of course, we should be supporting them, but we can't because our president has taken tens of millions of dollars from them and is completely compromised. The corruption runs so deep, so deep. But you are right, Verna. Please pray for these brave Chinese people who are out on the streets fighting for their freedom. All right, that's going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for being here and for supporting this show by listening and by telling everybody you know to check out the Monica Crowley podcast. Also, thank you for checking out our terrific sponsors. Have a fantastic weekend. And I will see you right back here on Monday with a brand new week of really big shows. God bless. 